Let me pray. Father, as we come to your word now, hallowed be your name. Father, help us to revere you and to honor you as we listen to you speak to us through your word. Father, help us to learn more of you and what it means to live in your kingdom, your kingdom that, is, that has come in Christ Jesus. Father, help the little ones to learn and to see that as they study your word together. Pray it be a precious time for them to see more of the wonder of our Lord, our, our King, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in his name. Amen. Amen. Great. Oh, thank you. Um, terrific. If you've got a Bible to hand, if you can turn to Matthew's Gospel. Um, we're continuing in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so if you could turn to Matthew Um, in Matthew chapter 7, uh, that's where we are this week, Matthew chapter 7. Um, and as we begin, just as you're looking that up, just to say, um, uh, we, we tend to just go work through different parts of the Bible. We've been working through the Sermon on the Mount um, for the last kind of term and a half. Uh, and we're aware that some of you might have some questions that have come up over, over that time, um, after the sermons that you heard previously, last week's sermon, today's sermon. So we'd love to give space for you to ask some questions and to dig in a little bit deeper. So that's going to happen straight after the service, um, just in the room behind here. So if you grab some food uh, and head in afterwards, uh, John T and I will be there to help um, think through some questions that you might have. Um, and I think that's important to do, so that you're engaging. You're not just listening passively, but you're engaging with it um, and thinking through things and, and asking questions. Um, but with that in mind now, uh, Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1, uh, going through to verse 6. Let me read. <coughs> Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Great. Let me start with the confession. Recently, I kicked a dog. Let me just let that marinate for a second. Now, how do you feel about what I've just said? I'm pretty sure all of you will be making some sort of judgment about me in some shape or form. If you're a dog lover, you're probably shocked, disappointed, devastated. How could you? How dare you? If you've never met me before, you're probably thinking, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> For the dog haters out there, you're probably sitting there loving this. But you can't show it because you know you're going to get judged just like me right now. But how do you feel about me? What sort of judgment are you making? You'd either be thinking, how could you? Was there a reason or well done? <laughs> what if I told you, no, thou, uh, though, that I actually kicked the dog because it was chasing one of my kids? Now what's going through your mind? Has your judgment shifted? Are you now thinking, actually, maybe I would have done the same thing? Right, uh, having said all that, let me just clarify. I've never kicked a dog in my life. <laughs> I love dogs. But I said this to make a point that we are quick to make judgments. We hear something and it makes us react. We make judgment calls. 
that determine how we think and we feel about things and about people. We have to judge all the time in life. That's just the way it works. We have to judge and make decisions in situations. You know, when you see an advert as you're walking down the street or on your phone, you've got to suss out, is this a good deal or not? You've got to pass judgment to figure out, am I going to go with this or is this a scam? Or when we hear news about someone or something that's happened, we make judgment calls. Was that a good thing or a bad thing that the prime minister did? Was that justified or not? We hear shocking things in news and we make judgments. We say things like, oh man, they, they deserve to go to prison for life. Or you say, oh man, they really didn't deserve that. We do this with people. When we meet with people, we make judgments. What are they wearing? What's their body language like? What accent do they have? And it leads you to a decision. Do I want to meet this person again? Do I like them? See, making judgments is something that seems so ordinary in life. And here comes Jesus to suddenly say in the Sermon on the Mount, do not judge. So the question is, what does he mean by that? That's what we're going to explore for the next few minutes. We're going to start with that. Let's understand, what does Jesus mean by the meaning of do not judge? Does he mean just walk through life blindly and take everything absolutely as it comes at you? See, some people think that's what it means. Some people have taken what Jesus says there and embedded it into our culture. You know when people say things like, who am I to judge? Or who are you to judge me? What they've done is they've taken what, what they think Jesus says and done exactly that. They're basically saying, look, don't ever judge people at all. They're saying, look, let them do whatever they want to do. Let them be whoever they want to be. And a culture seems to love it in the moment. They love quoting it. You see that online all the time on threads and reels. Don't judge me. It sounds noble. It sounds liberating. People feel like that's the right thing to do, to not judge. Wouldn't we just all be happier if we didn't judge one another? Except when you start digging into the culture, you start to realize it's not that straightforward. The more you read, the more you find out that people are really confused. Yes, there is maybe something good about it, and yet part of it just doesn't make sense. Because people realize, don't judge me, is just a way to get away with doing whatever you want. It's a way of protecting our selfishness. People know they need to make judgments all the time. And they sort of get, when people say do not judge, it's either used to protect people to do whatever they want, or to justify cancelling people who disagree with them on a particular point of view. The world is confused about this. Now, is that what Jesus intended? Those thousands of years ago when he gave us this command. The first thing I need to say to clarify is, I don't think Jesus ever meant don't go around never judging anybody. Just waltz through life ignoring what's going on around you. That is, that is never what Jesus meant. Because the rest of the Bible tells us clearly to make judgments, to think critically about things. We are called to be wise, to discern, to know what's good and bad, what's right and wrong. Clearly you've got to make judgments. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been telling his followers, look, watch out for the teachers of the law. They're going to do things to outwardly impress you. They're going to be, look at how we pray, look at how we fast. And he's, you've got to make judgments about that. Does how they live, how, does how they act, is that the way you want to live? Is that right? Jesus has been saying that. Even in this, in this passage, Jesus makes it clear. Verse 6, when he talks about the pigs and the dogs, we'll come on to it. He's saying something about judging critically. Just pause for that. We're, just hold that. We're going to come on to that. 
The point is this. Jesus isn't saying walk through life blindly. He's not saying ignore things and never make any judgments. He's not saying you should just accept everything around you that everyone's doing all the time. So what does Jesus mean? We need to look at the rest of the passage. Actually, the illustration is particularly helpful. It's quite a ridiculous one. Let me show you. Here's, here we go. Here's a, here's a plank. Here's a plank, right? Right. Can you imagine how ridiculous it is? I had some sawdust, but it's so small it's gone. I don't know where it's gone. So imagine I got some sawdust, right? Just imagine, okay. Imagine I walk around like this with a plank in my eyes, right? I'm, this is how I walk in all the time. Uh, what would you say to me? You'd look at me going, what are you doing? Mike, do you realize you have a massive plank in your eye? Imagine then I turn to you and say, no, actually, I haven't got the problem, you do. That little speck in your eye, that's the big issue. You would think, what would you think? you think I was absolutely mad. Either that or I'm really arrogant, blind, and stupid. This happened with my daughter a couple of days ago. I won't tell you which one. I've got two. Um, we have yogurts together at dinner. She opened it. She likes to open it herself. And a little speck like, popped out and landed on my cheek. And I just left it. It's lazy. She kept eating. She's bumbling on eating. She finishes the yogurt. And she looks at me and goes, Daddy, yogurt face. And then I looked at her and said, Mate, have you seen yours? <laughs> like, she, it's all over her face. But you see, look, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying we are so quick to fixate on other people's mistakes, on their sins, on their flaws. We are so quick to point them out. We go after people, even for the smallest things. Why? To pass judgment over them. To get one over them, to put them down. But do you see the bigger issue? It isn't just that you're being judgmental. You do this despite your own massive issues. We are so keen to sort out problems that others have and are completely blind to our own. Do you see the arrogance of that? It's the heart attitude that says, I am worthy, I'm righteous, and you are not. Jesus isn't talking about humble, loving discernment. He's talking about judging with a condemning attitude. That's the issue. Judging with a condemning attitude. So think for a moment, what happens when you are condemning somebody? See, you're, you're sitting that person in a dock, you're sitting on the bench, and you're saying, I'm in the judgment seat, and I'm going to find fault with you. And I'm going to show up that fault. And what then happens? When judgment is passed, people are ashamed. They're shamed in public. You see that in TV dramas. All the cameras are flashing. They're standing up. They're in cuffs. Utterly shamed before everybody. And then what happens? They're removed physically from your presence. Separated away from the rest of the community. See, that is what happens when we judge people with a condemning attitude. It is such a destructive thing to do. It causes shame emotionally. And it causes separation physically. Even if you don't verbalize it, even if you're just thinking it in your heart. Well, we heard last week, we're not separate bodies and souls. The heart is the center of our being. And so when we start judging people and condemning them in our hearts, you will find yourself drawing away from them, uninviting them to things. Worse yet, as a condemning heart grows, you will find yourself soon crushing the other person, making them feel so small. If you've been on the reverse end, if you've ever felt judged, you know exactly what I mean. I think this is why Jesus speaks of this in the Sermon on the Mount. He could have said a lot of other things. 
But he makes it clear, do not judge with a condemning attitude because it is so destructive to the community of believers, to those who are called into his kingdom. So why do we do this? Even, I found myself doing this even this week. It was so subtle and I hated it. But this is what happened. I was thinking about some of my, my other friends who are in church leadership. And I was thinking about their ministries. I'm thinking, oh man, it started with concern. But I found myself soon slipping into, well, why are they doing that? Started thinking, well, at least I don't do things that way. What am I doing? Why am I doing that? Because I think often there are one of two things going on in our hearts. The first thing you're doing is you're, you're placing yourself in the judgment seat. You're saying to the other person, I am worthy. Now let me see if you can match to my standards. And you're genuinely, genuinely blinded to your own faults and sins. Those are people who tend to lean towards pride, sitting there on the judgment seat. And what you're saying is, how could you? Why would you do that? The other way you do this is you're deflecting off to others. You sort of know you're not worthy, but you're deflecting, hoping that their flaws will kind of relativize your own and make you feel better. Those are the people who say, well, at least I'm not like that, or at least I'm not as bad as them. And sometimes we move between the two, depending on the situation. But do you notice in both of those examples, they're examples of the same thing, of people being self-righteous. People saying, I am worthy and you are not. Or at least more worthy than the next person. See, that is what we are like as human beings. That's our inclination to think so highly of ourselves and not want to see our flaws and our faults. Be blinded to our own faults, but be quick to see others' flaws. That leads us to judge in a condemning way. That's what Jesus wants to address. Jesus is saying, look, you see others' specks and pass over your own planks. Let me just pause for a moment because it's worth asking this question. Where might you have judged or are judging someone with a condemning attitude right now? Where might you have looked down on people, judged them even in your heart to get one over them? I see this in myself. I get frustrated with somebody else's flaws, their mistakes, their sin, and I justify my anger with them. And this particularly happens with people you are close to, that you spend time with. Particularly happens in, with spouses, in marriages, with family members that you live with, flatmates, with colleagues that you bump into all the time. You come home going, why can't they just? Or why do they always? How do you finish that sentence? And you do that while you're ignoring the fact that I probably annoy them more that I've let them down or said things that have been damaging to them in other areas. How about judging people's struggles and their vices? Do you see people's temptations and idols and you sit in judgment over them? Oh man, they seem so career hungry. That must be an idol of theirs. Oh man, they're so obsessed with being popular on social media. That must be an idol. But have you checked your own heart? What idols are sitting deep down there that's drawing your heart away from worshiping God. Genuinely, do we judge people for their background, the way they're dressed, their job status? Sometimes we look at people and we have a five-minute conversation, make a judgment. Do they belong to our group or not? Are they worthy or not? Are they smart enough? Are they funny enough? Do they know the right people? Do we do this? 
even in subtle ways. Sometimes, I don't know if you do this, you get invited to someone's home, what do you do? You look around. How do they live? Just be careful that you don't start making judgments. Oh, I'm far more frugal than these guys are. Didn't Jesus say store up treasures in heaven? Well, I'm doing that much better than these guys. We look at how much they serve in church and think, oh man, their faith must be really small. Or they serve, they serve loads and you think, oh man, they must be really proud. See, in all those examples, there are lots of different ways, right? Here's a common thread, a litmus test to check our hearts on a condemning attitude. It's this. Do you see something and you, and you think the worst of that person? Because they've said this one thing. Because you've got this impression from them. You judge them and place yourself over them by thinking the worst of them. And let me ask, where might that be for you right now? If that's something that you've done, I'm pretty sure all of us have done that. Then hear Jesus say this. Did you see that in verse, verse 5? You hypocrite. That's supposed to bite. It's the one time in Matthew's gospel he uses that word for his followers. Normally he leaves that for the teachers of the law. But this is how serious he is about this. Hypocrite. So quick to point out the specks in other people. But have you looked at your life and your own heart? Because there is a massive plank there. We need to hear the warning because Jesus knows that this is so destructive for our souls and destructive to the relationship we have with others around us. Okay, great. Hopefully that's helped us to understand what Jesus means by do not judge. So, so how are we to respond? How, how are we to do do not judge? Here's two things. Start with verse 2. Do you see that? For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, we were saying just a moment ago, when we judge others in this condemning way, we're placing ourselves on the judgment seat. It's as though you sit there thinking, I'm exempt. I have immunity from judgment. But let me ask you this. Who's the king of the jungle? Come on, you can, it's, it's not a rhetorical question. Who's the king of the jungle? Yeah, there we go. Disney got it right. Lion King. Everybody knows that. There's only one king who's king of the jungle. The giraffes aren't the king. The monkeys aren't the king. Not even the tigers. There's only one king over all. There's only one judge over all. That's what Tom was helping us to think about at the start. There is only one judge judge who is worthy of judging all people who is truly exempt because he is perfect, all knowing, all seeing almighty a monkey like me has no right to call myself judge that's what he's saying in verse 2 there is a greater judge than you or I who is going to come to judge properly so you need to remember that you are never exempt it's a stark warning there's an aspect of fear that we're supposed to feel. That's what this measuring language is in verse 2. Did you see that measuring language? Okay, imagine, right, let's go. Uh, Tom, you and I, imagine we decide to trade. You've got potatoes, I've got rice. Right, let's, let's change that around. You've got rice, I've got potatoes. Uh, and we don't have money to use. So what do we do? We have to trade. What's the best way to do that? Use scales, right, to measure. How many potatoes have you got? Let's weigh it out. But imagine we've got two different sets of scales. And I put them on and they, they look slightly different. What am I going to do? I want to use the same scales he does to make sure that it's consistent, that it's fair, that the judgment is exactly the same. 
Do you see that's what verse 2 is saying? If we judge people in a condemning way, we'd expect to be judged in exactly the same way, by the same measure. God is the God of justice. If you dish it out in a condemning way, well, God will judge you also in a condemning way. And trust me, you do not want that. Because he will pick out and recall and make you pay for every plank, every speck, every atom of your sins and the faults that you've committed, that you hoped everyone else had forgotten about. We are to fear God as judge. But then you also need to hear this. Because Jesus then calls us to do something. Do you see that in the illustration in verse 5? He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly. See, here's the thing. Jesus says, start with your own hearts. When you see somebody else struggling with sin, when you see somebody else slipping up or in a struggle or in weakness, before you even go to judge them, use that to look at your own heart. How do we address our sins in our own heart? How do we remove these planks? By coming to the cross of Christ. See, I've got two planks now. Right. Imagine I've got a plank in both eyes. This is what Jesus does. He takes the left plank, takes the right plank, and he takes these into a cross, and he nails himself to that piece of wood. And there he bled and he died to remove our sin, to remove those planks as far as the east is from the west. That is what Jesus did. That is how we remove our planks. We come to Jesus Christ in confession. Turn to Jesus for the first time. If you're not a Christian here, for the first time, turn to him and find forgiveness there. Or return to Jesus again if you're a Christian and you're wandering away. When we mess up and sin, there is a cost. We need to be held to account before God. And most likely it it would have cost somebody else around you. We owe a debt. And when when Jesus Christ came, he makes it so clear. As Tom said earlier, it is finished. I paid for it all. See, when you come to Jesus in faith, you will find that Jesus measures you in a completely different way. See, where we should have found condemnation in his judgment, instead we find measuring scales of mercy. Because of Christ, where we once faced judgment for our sins, we face mercy because he paid the price. See, that is one of the biggest impacts and effects the gospel has on his people. People of the kingdom of God, people that understand and know the Sermon on the Mount, one of their key identifying features is that they, know, they now know that they stand forgiven under a gospel of mercy and grace. And they live like they know that. So kingdom people, when you look at them, you, you can tell they never sit on the judgment seat because they know there's only one king, there's only one judge. That means they will be humble, not placing themselves over others. Kingdom people know that we have no righteousness of our own, but our righteousness comes from Jesus and him alone. This means that people will be thankful for all that he has done. And it means they won't be self-righteous. Kingdom people then do not judge with condemnation because they are those who know that there are others who trust in Christ. That they and others together stand in mercy and not condemnation. So when we see sin in other people's lives, it should stop us to check our own hearts. And as we bring those planks in our own lives before Jesus, we're going to be reminded once again of the sweetness of Jesus' mercy in the planks of sin that ravage our own hearts. To be reminded once again of his great forgiveness. 
As you see that in verse 5, as those planks are removed, we will see so much more clearly. So when we see a sister or a brother failing with some sin or some vice, rather than standing over them with a condemning attitude, we stand alongside them, knowing that I stand forgiven for even greater sins than you. Instead of judging and making them feel ashamed and rubbish, we humbly and gently point out their sin and point them to the mercy seat of God, where Jesus says, no longer condemned, but forgiven. We stand alongside them and say, you know what? Jesus removed my plank, and so he's going to remove your speck too. Do you see how the cross of Christ breeds humility before Jesus and with one another? Can you see how the wonder of Jesus brings about a deeper love and unity with one another? Can you see how Jesus' grace is the antidote to self-righteousness, to pride and arrogance that so often can sit in our hearts? Do not judge with a condemning attitude. Instead, come to the mercy of Christ, remove our planks, and point others to that same mercy. So let's try and, let's try and think through, okay, what, is this, what could this look like? What could do not judge look like for us as a church? There's a couple of things to think about. Here's the first. I think the first thing it will do is bring about a confessional community. It will bring about a group of individuals who are constantly seeking and reminded of God's mercy and pointing that out to one another. We sort of act like confessional prompts, if you like. If you like. Constantly looking at one another and instead of judging, it keeps driving us to look at our own hearts to keep finding mercy in Christ, to keep pointing others to that mercy. It will look like one of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 7. It says this, Blessed are, those, uh, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Can you picture marriages, families, friendships, the church, filled with sisters and brothers who know this mercy of God and constantly share and remind one another of it? Wouldn't that be a beautiful community of trust, of growth, of humility, of care? Wouldn't those be beautiful marriages to see? Beautiful friendships that grow out of mercy. If you're not a Christian this afternoon, can you picture that? Aren't you tired of constantly hoping that no one will judge me and condemn me and cancel me? Can you see how Jesus firstly does not condemn but forgive if you come to him? He turns you from a life of judgment and sitting under judgment to a life of mercy. And he calls people to live in that kingdom community, reflecting that mercy to one another. That is the sort of kingdom you can be a part of because of Jesus. The second thing I need to make really clear is this. Do not judge does not mean we will ignore one another's sins and mistakes. Look at verse 5 again, right? First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do you see? We still have a responsibility to look out for one another. One another. We are called to call out mistakes and sins but we do that without condemnation instead coming alongside with grace and mercy from the cross pointing one another to him and here's what I need to talk about verse 6 because in verse 6 Jesus is exactly pushing this idea further he's saying look don't judge with condemnation but you are to judge critically you need to discern well 
It says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. It's like entrusting the keys to your house to somebody. And you come back home one day and you find the place is utterly trashed. They've stolen everything and smashed everything. They've torn pictures of your family to shreds. How would you feel? See, what do pigs know to do with pearls? They don't know the value of it at all. Instead, they trample and destroy. This is what Jesus means. Take what is sacred and valuable. I think he means that you're taking the gospel of Christ, the news of the kingdom of God, everything Jesus has been talking about in the Sermon of the Mount, and you give it to people in the hope that they know and realize, but instead of taking it, or at least inquiring about it, they throw it back in your face. Worse yet, they attack you and tear you to pieces. These are the people who take what is sacred and valuable and destroy it. These aren't cute pet dogs. These are dogs you need to kick. These are people who abuse the gospel. Like the teachers of the law back then. Like false teachers today. Who distort and twist the gospel to crush and burden people. These are people who who vehemently oppose the gospel. Not just reject it, but they actively seek to destroy God's honor and his people. Like some of the Roman rulers back then. As we see in some parts of the world today. Jesus says, look, discern. Don't be abused and crushed by them, trampled and torn. Move away from them. There is an aspect of judgment where we need to think critically and be able to discern wisely. Take the gospel to all. Pray for them. But if you're abused and attacked for God's kingdom, then he's saying be wise. So there is a need for us to judge critically. But for those who are brothers and sisters who are dear to us, like we are here at this church, let us judge and discern with loving, merciful hearts that build up, that don't tear down and trample one another. Here's the last thing I want to say as we, as we wrap up. The third thing we should do is we need to seek mercy with one another. See, in a room this sort of size, you may well have judged others in a condemning way. It might have been your spouse. It might have been a family member, another brother or sister in this room. If that's the case, what a great opportunity to seek God's mercy once more. To remove the plank and move towards your brother or sister. As we do, sharing that mercy with with one another. As we move towards each other, we should seek forgiveness from God, but also from one another. And also learn to forgive each other in mercy, just as Christ has shown us. We're going to have a a moment to think about that as we share in communion in a moment. But let me remind you, this is what Jesus is saying. Do not judge with a condemning attitude. But instead, let us be those who are blessed. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. May this passage, these words remind us, reflect on our own hearts, seek his mercy, and then share that mercy with those around us. And we do that for his glory, to live as people of his kingdom. Amen. Let me pray.
Father, these words are challenging. Father, many may well have been convicted by these words that you speak. But help us to hear them rightly. Help us to watch our hearts that may well judge people with condemning attitudes. Father, help us to be those who are quick to confess to you and help us to be those who are shaped by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his cross, to know of the mercy that we have under him and pray that we can share, seek that mercy and share that with those around us so that we can reflect the beauty and wonder of your gospel of grace and mercy to one another and to the watching world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.